All okay. right. Henches gather. Gather henches. To say the off Google from Oxford languages, a henchman is a faithful follower or political supporter, especially one prepared to engage in crime or dishonest practices by way of service. Which I appreciate. I do too. Anyways, so hey henches. Short for we have something. We have something. We a have something. <laughs> first off, welcome to Sunday Showcase. In case this is your first time, this is Tina and I's show about things that seem to catch our eye and get us very heated for the most part. Sometimes <laughs> we share our emotions. Sometimes we share facts. <laughs> it's kind of a toss-up, honestly, based <laughs> off of it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, so today... Uh, we're talking about the English language. As you can tell from our title, English is not English. And, and I, it's... Oh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Why, thank you. <laughs> I do want to <laughs> preface as we head into this conversation that we are choosing to center English today because Mary has studied this subject and both of us speak the language fluently. Um, so we will, as a content warning, talk about the logistics of English and also just the relationship of race, gender, and language. Mm-hmm. A lot of what, like, the trauma that comes around English. Because <laughs> we didn't put this in our notes, but I just thought of another thing, which is the fact that colonizers would sh- force other uh like especially indigenous people to learn english or to like learn their language in order to like pull away from their own culture so english has been a huge part of imperialism and colonization that's the only reason english exists that's literally the only reason and how it's thrived i mean england english in the term of how we understand it right now not 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 like not like not like latin and yeah europe and all those things but yeah um, yeah, yeah that, that is the birth of the language that we are speaking. It's yeah, I mean, it's one of the main reasons why I think we have a lot of the uh, I don't want to say like scandal that we have around English today, but a lot of the uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like a lot a of hesitancy, hesitancy, or... maybe, but also just a lot critique. of critique, like, critique, difficult history of it has really yes. impacted and made it almost a um Frick, what's the word i i can't when it's a big you. topic when it's a topic like oh controversy like, controversy <laughs> <laughs> i'm like what is this word this feels like it would be a good game but like that was a good hint <laughs> i think there are games like this like, i don't play games do you like how i'm like just i'm like you guys can't you look this, like you're, but you like, look like you're pulling, I'm like pulling apart like in front of <laughs> tina right now this literally looks like a, a workout <laughs> mm. Mm. aerobics pilates stretch them <laughs> shoulders but actually stretch them shoulders they're probably tight guys um, oh yes yeah, don't forget to drop your shoulders. That's something that, like, one of my professors used to say, and it was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I carry a lot of stress in my neck, so. God Yeah. Um, so, we Yeah, I think that's very... a good preface, preface, too, just about the difficult history, and then also yeah. how your take on English is. 
Yeah, so it's really fascinating because you and I have two very, very different points of views when it comes to English. For me, English has always been, um, I don't know, almost like a very personal part of my life, which is why it led, not like the language itself, but literature, stories, books, um, have always been a really big part of my life. So that like gave me a really deep fascination uh, with the English language and how it developed, which led to me getting my... uh, undergrad degree bachelor's if you almost know (laughs) Um, (laughs) in English uh, and literature with a minor in writing so uh, it's kind of fun for me to actually be talking about this because I took so many cool classes that weren't just about books but were actually about the history of the English language and the complications with it and just how incredibly um, fucked up our mindset is when it comes to the English language, because in all honesty, there is no correct English, um, which is really fascinating. So there's some languages like uh, French in France, they had an institute for the French language and they actually like decide the rules. If that makes any sense. The closest thing that we have to that in the English language is like Chicago manual style, APA MLA. But the thing is, is those don't impact the dialects or the pigeons Pigeon, pigeon. I never feel like I'm pronouncing it right. I, I um, think I say pigeons too. I say pigeons. Anyways, um, that like come with all of it. A lot of like when we're talking about manual styles like APA or MLA or SMS, CMS, um, we're talking about like punctuation and where can we put this quotation mark and how do we and how do we cite sources and what's the format for citing source? Like it's a lot more about formatting, whereas this like is actually about. Whereas, like, in the French institutes, it's actually about, like, are we going to allow for there to be a non-gendered they, like, added to our language, which they recent, which they allowed within, like, the last seven years or something like that. That being said, we don't have that. So there isn't anything right or wrong about the English language, which is fascinating because in the U.S., we have a very, very narrow idea of what it means to speak English properly. And a lot of that has led to... Um, impacts when it comes to social justice movement, racism. I mean, uh, like, like what every... is politically correct? Well, not so like what is academically correct? Like, yeah, yeah. The like saying y'all is not something that you would academically say, if that makes any sense. Like, people are kind of like, um, like that's considered unprofessional, but in actuality, that's a major part of a whole dialect of the English language. And the only reason we have decided that that is not an okay thing to say is because I don't know why. It's I mean, you, you can also, cause that, that friggin' apostrophe. <laughs> yeah. It's like, cause y'all is you all. And so the institution says you need to write out what you're trying to say versus shorten it. Because for whatever reason, that's what they deem is correct and professional. Yeah. And we're going to do a whole episode on professionalism because it's a really just fascinating thing to get into. But um, it has allowed for a lot of things to be turned away um, as correct. For example, uh, something Tina and I were talking about a lot is black English. People consider it unprofessional or not right when, in fact, there are entire communities that 
that is the way that they speak. That's the way that they learn to speak because of their community. And by saying that black English is incorrect, we are, it's, that's another form of racism. Right. It's another form of like deconstructing their own culture. Mm-hmm. It's a, this, it's like recolonizing <laughs> the, the language yeah. that they speak because also wanting to highlight too, is that, you know, this is not something that's taught in school that black English is Ebonics and that you can learn Ebonics academically. Yeah. There are schools that do teach it. There are classes at institutions that do offer this for credit. And it's not normalized if you're not surrounded by such communities. And I think that language very much plays into your physical location, which is fair. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we can say that about the development of the language of English. Like, English is Germanic, Latin, a little bit of, uh, shoot, there. But basically, English is influenced by every single other language because it is not one of the first languages that happened. Um, it is not, impact like, it was impacted by all of these things and slowly developed over time as communities began to build within those areas and needed some sort of common tongue. And therefore, that's how English was developed. And by the way, Old English was a completely different language than uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> Old English had different letters, bro. Like, different letters there was no correctness with it it blows my mind i used to have to um translate it and it was incredible how different it is and we didn't actually get into modern day english modern day english is shakespeare's time we didn't get into it until the 1500s there was a completely different like set of letters over here that then developed into (laughs) what we have today and then from the development of modern english we have pushed to what we are today which is a massive mixture of dialects and cultures and things, but then we have become so uh, focused on the correctness of the general American dialect that there is now so much social injustice that comes with languages. Period. And that is my rant. (laughs) It was very well formatted. I love it. I think something really quickly that we had both thought about is how English is taught as a language, like how we speak it. And and Mary had brought up how English is a global language because, again, the history of colonization. Yeah. That there are people and there are communities and there are countries that teach English and learn English and it's required of them. And it is naturalized in their communities that amongst other languages and yet for the u.s it's english 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 and it's not that we don't learn other englishes i.e taking classes in high school except that's the only time we are barely encouraged really we're encouraged by passing the classes getting credits um to learn another language and therefore another culture also, here's the deal about that is like, do you remember? I don't know if you remember this. But like, there were these commercials for like went like on Teen Nick or whatever when I was like or Nickelodeon when I was like a little kid. And it was like, buy your child this like book so that way they can learn other languages. And in it, this is how I learned this fact is 
because we are developing so much when we're younger, like our brains can adapt to other languages so much easier. But the thing is, is like, and that like lasts up until like age six or something. But then you get to high school and you're looking at all the American kids and you're saying, time to learn Spanish, time to learn French. And it's just like, they don't, they're not at that point where they're still developing their language or understanding of how to communicate. Like they have a general concept of how to communicate now. And now you're trying to get them to completely reverse the way they think and look at new grammatical structures and new spelling and new and new punctuation. And then you're saying like, Oh, this is how you're going to get cultured. But the thing is, is like this only makes more hatred for that language because we're being taught it at such an old age. Like, mm. I hated French when I was learning it because I didn't it, get it. And it's like, also how it's being taught because the way that things are being taught in school, in, re- like, public education is that a, it's for the grade. It's for – you're doing this presentation to get a good grade to pass the class. You have to take this test. Like, there is no joy in learning this language like, I know in my Spanish class in high school, we did, like, a market, which I, was a cool angle. It sounds cool, except, like, no one really spoke Spanish, the, I, yeah. even though that was the point. And so it's just people didn't take it seriously. And part of that is because starting in adolescence, there are other priorities in mind. Yeah. Well, and I think also the other thing is, is, like, it was a required thing. And yeah, and teenagers hate that. Teacher, teenagers find the man. Find the man, man. Um, yeah. Anyways, but like, I think that really impacts the way. I think the fact that we teach our children at such a, like, we don't teach them at such a young age to start learning other languages, especially while they're developing. I think that there's also a part of like this unconscious thought that comes with it, which is, this isn't nearly as important as English. Yes. And that's what my parents told me about French. They said, you're not going to use French. Don't take it. You're not allowed to. And that's why I took Spanish. Yeah. And, and the thing is, I do appreciate the Spanish classes that I took because I do have a basic understanding of, you know, past tense, present tense, um, and the grammar there. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, me actually using Spanish or understanding it was through my Spanish-speaking friends, not from the class. Yeah. And I think that's also important is that, you know, obviously the class is a great foundation and it's cool that it's offered. And at the same time, you know, shoulder shrug. Like, I can't, yeah. It wasn't, language is not something I think that kids are taught, at least in the U.S. It's not something that kids are taught to give a shit about. Like, we were taught to read, but we weren't taught to enjoy literature. Mm, like, we yes. were taught to, like, listen, but we weren't taught to, like, you know, really embrace what's being said. Because, at least for me, like, I always had, like, specific opinions being put in place for me. Like, it was, like, you were supposed to have your opinions and nothing else really mattered. And I think, like, a big part of what the U.S. struggles with when it comes to the English language is also comes from this like independence or like self-assertiveness that comes with being a U.S. citizen. Does that make sense? 
yeah it, it's like almost it. like it, this pride of like i know what's best yeah it's english my language as a language does not act alone Mm-hmm. It has to do with the nationalism that you brought up. It has to do with the colonization of anyone's background and assimilation that comes to, you know, if you think about citizenship and coming to the U.S., you come to the U.S., you're going to speak English because that's what we do here. Yeah. Instead of the English language or American culture adapting to the globalization just about everywhere else. And I mean, if you just the whole history of just like, there has been influx of immigration and immigrant communities from multiple cultures in multiple countries that do not speak English. And instead of seeing them as people, now we're going into immigration, they then just see them as other. That's what America does as a country, sees them as other, devalues their humanness and forces them into labor yeah like that is what that's what immigrants are slash were used for i mean it's kind of like even when we're talking about um imperialism Mm -hmm. when we're talking about imperialism i don't like a big part of, I'm sorry, I got distracted. A big part of imperialism is the stripping of another group's culture in order mm-hmm. to take over it, which is something that I kind of brought up earlier in this. But it's like English is a huge factor in that because not only did different or honestly just like even Spanish, right, or the French or something like that, but language has always been one of the first things that gets stripped away along with religion from Mm. people when they are being conquered instead of i don't know realizing that's not your land (laughs) (laughs) sounds easy enough (laughs) realizing that's not your land people tear down idols that they have or different religious things that they have and replace them with missions and Mm. then give them bibles that aren't written in their language but are written in whoever the imperialist language is when I'm thinking Ooh. about missions, that's mostly Spanish. But that being said, the British did it not just in the U.S. They did it in India. They did it in South Africa. They did it in, well, everywhere else. They did it everywhere else, too. Yeah, <laughs> colonization's everywhere and comes in many forms, just as English does, yeah. which is my hot take. So I Mary had brought up that we have different thoughts on English and I think it's it's not that I don't share the thoughts that Mary has or that Mary doesn't share my thoughts it's that I think that when we think about English these are the first things that we think about and it's because you know Mary herself studied this academically and that's that immediate angle and then for me I'm thinking of how English as a language is separate from English as a communication style. And I, that's going to be interesting to talk through. And I'm interested to hear thoughts because this is all developing as we speak <laughs> of just how I'm going to articulate this. And yeah. right, right now, just English as the language is very much what Mary had talked about in the logistics of what English is and the different formats of English 
Um, so how we are speaking right now and the things that you are hearing or reading, that there's terminology, grammar, structure of how sentences are formulated. That to me is English as a language. English as a communication um, or okay. as a type of communication is how we actually use it to communicate our needs, wants, beliefs, and ideas. So there's that. I'm going to just going to pause and muddle in it for a little bit. Um, so part of that being, you know, an example of saying y'all, we, we used that earlier. Um, the other part of saying yes and instead of yes, but dot, dot, dot. Um, so the way that we intentionally speak to each other, that's where I'm going to go towards. Um, so first I did want to go into pronouns. I think that's been a hot topic sociopolitically, um, as it should be. Mm -hmm. And that earlier today, um, I had seen a Instagram post from the trans law center about pronouns and they had explained quote, the English language developed within a cultural framework that conceptualized gender as binary. So man, woman, male, female, and visually identifiable, which is why initially we use he, she pronouns in language. And then um, bringing that up, how we perform English in itself is within the binary and white Western perspectives. And mm -hmm. I say that because we had brought up two earlier is the institution and what is deemed correct English. That mm -hmm. is, if you think about the institution, that is white middle class, upper middle class men. <laughs> and yeah. just the history of the institutionalization and the, the privatizing of language and communication is that that's why jargon exists. Do I have a ton of jargon? I do. Am I basically talking theory right now? I am. And that is because I had the privilege of going through school and like being this embodiment of thinking that I'm just verbalizing right now. Can I, can I say a thought that I'm having that you yes. just made me think of with jargon is the way that jargon is used to confuse the public. And I specifically think about this when I think about voting ballots. Mm -hmm. um, because I don't know if you like see this, I don't, I don't know, like, if maybe it's just me <laughs> like, or something. Go like for that. it. But for me, you know how they always, like, they give you the voter ballot and then you get, like, a little book thing. And it's mm -hmm. like, this is what this means. I remember last year voting with all my roommates and, like, we didn't, we were just discussing what each of them meant and sitting and just staring at them being like, so what are they saying here? No, exactly. Like, exactly. They're saying and, words, but they don't mean anything. Exactly. And that was something that I noticed a lot and that's kind of goes into your communication, but that goes into the negative side of the communication, which is to manipulate others with the jargon yes. rather than to like be coming up with terminology to be more inclusive. Right. And meeting people where they're at in terms of communication. Instead, jargon has its way of thinking that it's better than everyone. And I think the voting is such a good example because I think about the California governor recall and mm. that the title for this recall is the 2021 California gubernatorial. I can't even, 
What is it? Gubernatorial gu- gubernatorial recall election? Is Try it Google down that. somewhere. <laughs> Look up like California governor recall. So instead of saying that it's the governor recall, they put that gubernatorial whatever into that title of what this Go- election Goober- is for. <laughs> gubernatorial i think so and it's relating to a state governor or the office of state governor they could just say governor (laughs) do you see what um, i mean (laughs) yeah what this doesn't make any sense just say recall yeah governor recall and that is you know makes the worst sound stupid (laughs) (laughs) and uh, that's a good point too like now that we're talking about english i'm sure goober didn't mean what we thought what we think it means now because english continues to develop goober to me is the goofy goober from spongebob (laughs) you mean the show that defined our generation yes spongebob squarepants (laughs) the one and only (laughs) yeah no so those are good examples of just how i like the word that you use like english is manipulative so is Mm -hmm. you know jargon and that's how english performs itself through jargon um and I think back to pronouns as an example of the heightened sociopolitical context of language and that it's been interesting to watch what is important now and what, you know, that may not have been important before. So like saying things that are like, quote, PC, politically correct, and how, you know, (laughs) Republicans hate that and they get get really touchy about things. Oh, God, Um, they're such snowflakes. It's that oh okay another word the English yes yes and how and oh oh here we go here we go so let's use snowflake for an example and how we use that to describe people who are liberal or left leaning um or into politics the connotation is that they're weak that's why they that terminology is being used against certain people and the only reason that it has importance is because we issue that importance onto that term also how dare you use snowflake as an insulting term (laughs) honestly as a californian who has barely seen snow i'm not really that offended (laughs) i well and it's just you know what they're pretty and don't use the elements against me (laughs) i know that you cut the papers to make your own (laughs) snowflake when you were in kindergarten child (laughs) don't act like you didn't think you were your own little special snowflake (laughs) like your kindergarten teacher possibly named mrs glenn like mine told me (laughs) after pinning mine to the wall (laughs) and that's the, literally the point of our conversation <laughs> of just how we assign meaning and priority to certain terms or to certain aspects of the language and how that might take precedent to just about everything else. A lot of hot angles we're having right now. No, A lot of but examples. It's just like, it's just like you know, all we decided. Valid. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, is we decided to talk about English. It is such a huge topic. Why don't we pick smaller topics? <laughs> like because we get riled up. That's true. And that's but, why because I do want to go into my yeah. other take and this one's on race. So, okay. this one's going to be fun. Um, um and so 
the perspective I'm coming from is from growing up in a multicultural household. Yeah. Um, a multilingual, sorry. Um, and how there is the term, quote, broken English. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. growing up, I honestly shouldn't know what that term even means. Because in my home, we speak Cantonese, Mandarin, a off dialect of Mandarin from my mom's island, and English. Honestly, some Spanish. Like, it happens. So we have all of that normalized in my home that to me is safe and then me learning what broken english is honestly i shouldn't know what it is because broken english is just saying that like your english is not correct like we've been saying there's no correct there's no wrong english there's, is Eng- english is there, there english is english. there is something about it that does not functioning correctly therefore it is broken right and therefore it's less than so my mom who you know, bounces off between languages. This woman speaks three languages. That's sick. That's and insane. Like yeah. that's a lot of languages. No. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a so, lot of jumping around with languages. And, and yet, you know, as I was younger and watching her interact with white people that spoke English, quote, fluently, it was difficult because I could see the disconnect that the things that she was saying, I understood and she understood, except the other people who were receiving may not have felt comfortable around her idea and her use of English. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's my take on that broken English and that it's not broken, it's just English. and Or it's just a dialect. It's Right. Like, it's not even like oh, it's broken. It's just another way to communicate. And how dare you, not you, like, (laughs) but how dare someone actually have the gall to look at someone in their own house who is like, this is your household language. This is like, this is the community that you built around this. Like, this is how your family functions. And then they looked at you. I'm not saying someone's ever, I don't know if anybody's ever done this to you, but and then they go, yeah, that's wrong. That's pretty, yeah. that's pretty messed up, actually. You're not doing that right at all. Yeah. Like, I want, I mean, your mom needs to go to night school or something. Like, you know, like... Ugh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just this idea that, like... The idea that you can look at someone and say, the way that you communicate is wrong mm-hmm. blows my yeah. mind. Yeah. Like, okay, verbally abusing someone, yeah, the way that you communicate, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, like... <laughs> What we're talking about is, like, language. And it's just, like, if it works for you, it works for you. Right. And, like, the message is across. Like, also, what does it matter? You know what, motherfucker? Adapt. Natural selection (laughs) is coming for you. Okay? (laughs) Adapt or die. (laughs) Oh, I'm just going to slightly plug in that I think everyone should get vaccinated. But that's just... That's yeah, just my hot take. <laughs> That's just a hot, 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 hot take. Uh, back to the English language. Back to our regular scheduled programming. <laughs> uh, because on to, so a spinoff of broken English yep. is also just combining language with English. So it might be a mix of, there's the term Spanglish. Yeah. It is a mix of speaking Spanish as well as English. And... Mm-hmm. Again, these are all different ways of expressing and performing English as a language um, Mm -hmm. and then also communicating. And so 
it's just very much, I mean, bringing up like accents, you have people who are live on the West coast who sound differently than the East coast. And that they're that again, this dialect and the culture that they, where they are physically located is very different. And I think that that idea and that like feeling of like, Oh, we're just in different places, but it's still English should be applied as well to BIPOC communities. And it it really is just, it it does have to do with race and it does have to do with if you are not white presenting, something's off and something's wrong. And I feel like this really goes back to the binary concept that you were talking about Mm. when we were talking about with gender, which Mm -hmm. we see a lot, obviously with gender, you see it a lot in like also other languages that use gendered um, articles, like, the French and the Spanish and the German and all the European people. (laughs) But like, (laughs) um, when we're, but like, when we're also talking about race, it's this idea that we have developed in our minds of there is a, there's a good or there's a bad way to do it all. And there's this no in between, even though like, language is not a binary. You don't get to binary this this thing. Like you don't, you don't get to binary it. It's a verb. Um, (laughs) You don't you don't get to do that to this thing because literal people who study this language have all these phrases to explain and validate the shit like the different ways that people use this language in order to communicate. But it's just like, are you going to look at it and say that this isn't valid because they're not technically speaking your traditional idea of English? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it, it is that just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah. And it's just like you it, you, it, uh, you don't get to right or wrong things. You're not <laughs> freaking. You're, do you own English? <laughs> no. <laughs> Chances are if you're in the U.S., your people didn't speak English at the beginning of all this shit. And if no. they did, they were educated. No, let's be real. Britain wasn't educated for a really long time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And we haven't pointed this out. I do want to just drop it while we're here. The U.S. does not have an official language. English is not our official language. So stop saying go home to people or whatever the fuck it is people are saying. Yeah. Or speak English. It's it's not our language. Yeah. It's not your language. No, we don't got one. Nope. I can go off. But that being said, that being said, I think something that language. No, I love language. Yeah, and I think yeah, I want to be able to like plug that is that you know there is a dark history with English, and at the same time, there is positive. I don't like how I said that. Yeah, (laughs) but there 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 are these there's there are things to gain. Right. Yes. There, there are benefits to our ability to have language and access to be able to speak and, and communicate. Well, I think, I think something to kind of like, uh, kind of like, I guess, clarify when we're Mm. talking about this, we're not talking about the actual English. Like we're not saying like the language of English is bad. We are saying that the way that people have weaponized the mm. English language in order mm-hmm. to appropriate, in order to lessen or invalidate, in order to pull people from their own cultures, 
That is what we're seeing the problems with. I'm not saying that nobody should be speaking English because I personally can't learn another language at this age, so I won't be stopping speaking English. But that being said, there are some really positive aspects of the English language. For me, the English language has been a, um, I don't know, kind of like a saving grace for me. Uh, growing up, honestly, before I met Tina, I didn't really like, I, I didn't really have a lot of friends. I had friends, but like, you know, they would be in different classes from me and I was very socially anxious and I didn't really know how to communicate with people. Or like for me at home, I like to read more than I like to like hang out and watch TV with my parents at the end of the night or something like that. Um, and so it became a really, it, it almost became this thing that I had when I didn't feel like I had anything else. And that's what led me to actually study English. And that's what's led to my deep love of English Um, and also my deep criticism of English, honestly, because, you know, the more that I study it, the more that I realize that there is so much dark history behind it that I think we really need to just uh, at least observe, recognize and try not to repeat. But for me, it's the English language has been there for me than most people have been there for me. Yeah. Yeah. So now I publish books. <laughs> <laughs> I which edit. is so cool. Which is so, so cool. Yeah. And it's such a specialized skill to really hone in on a subject matter that is so, you know, I want to say common, I guess, as English. You know, because yeah. it, it is a subject that you learn in school. It's the language that you speak. And even though this is one term, right, English as a term and as a word, it yeah. means so much more, which obviously you have seen in this roller coaster of this podcast episode. Yeah, I know. And so what's um, interesting for me that English for me, more of like language and wording that I've learned and kind of added to my tool belt and my vocabulary, that has been very liberating. And I mean that in the sense that, you know, I'm learning things that people have theorized about these phenomenas and you know i'll use the example like stereotype threat or intersectionality those terms and those events those feelings were radicalizing because yes yes no go ahead i was just gonna say and they radically shifted the way that our society functions right which is why my angle today was very much about how not only of course personally what English means to me and what, how, what I think about when I think about English, it's also just seeing how our socio-political context reacts and includes. And I think, you know, intersectionality, although has been a term for, you know, many, you know, a handful of decades now that it's now been normalized in day-to-day conversation like yeah. it, it well, and you know, I say that lightly because not everyone does know what it means, and it do, does depend on who is around and what you are exposed to in terms of language. Um, but for or and for me, you know, English is my main language. It's the only language I speak fluently, and so being able to understand myself and understand my experiences by using such language like intersectionality and privilege that I most obviously don't know how to spell still 
Mary, if you take a look at this red squiggly line on the Google Doc. I know you I, added a D you added a D to the word. I which I really I, I can't tell you. Sometimes no, you're I actually don't. really close if you just delete the D, I think you're right. It's always the D that gets in the way. Ooh, that's today's take. Um Yeah. So I think also, you know, this conversation uh, is liberating as well because we get to, because we care so much. We care so much that we have this critical understanding and a, I keep saying angle, but like our perspective of being able to, you know, value our personal experiences and also objectively look at this language as an experience that it is. Yeah. I I completely agree with you. I think it's also just I think you and I have had the opportunity to really grow when it comes to actually observing the English language and critically think about it. Um and I do want to so credit that part of it is that we've had the privilege to go to higher academia. A so huge that's part a huge of it. part. <laughs> yeah, and, but also uh, it's just been cool to see the growth of it, even in these last, like, God, what, seven years? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. We have terms. There's so many terms now <laughs> to help name things. I mean, just yes. think about, I mean, even in psychology, when we're talking, when we're diagnosing people, there's brand new terms now because we're so actually So many like, DSMs. <laughs> because we're, fl- so many DSMs, because we're <laughs> flourishing in this language right now and there's this major push to become inclusive and it is so freaking cool i'm really and it's, excited it's to this see what evolution happens. there is adaptability there is consideration there's intentionality so and and obviously it is problematic how we institutionalize words and language and at the same time it is an opportunity like diagnoses for example and again this is definitely like my psych part coming of you know, those are helpful. Having labels in words to be able to name something that might have felt so confusing and, you know, conf- just not knowing what to do without that is insane. Um, well, it's kind of like how people, like, talk about how they they feel relief once they finally get their diagnosis. Yes, for- yes. That was because the it's first like, thing oh, I- suddenly, suddenly something's not wrong because this is a real thing that happens yeah it's not suddenly like oh just get over it it's like no we actually have like ways that you can deal with this throughout your life rather than just suffer right and I think we've we might have talked about this in other episodes too when it comes to just therapy and mental health like I remember telling you I no one would diagnose me yeah until this this year which wasn't like a I don't know quote formal diagnosis I had my intake and she's like girl (laughs) you got anxiety (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and, and she you was were just like, like shocked she was shocked. like she just went on because she's like pretty sure you knew that but okay um but yeah it's like and I mean okay another uh, take on in terms of psychology is that some people aren't able to access services unless they have a diagnosis yeah so talk about you know language again and the way that it either is weaponized and or liberating yeah depending this is such a huge topic. We could go into like literally every single aspect of it. Um, and I think there is more, which is why I do want to plug that me and Mary check our inbox 
very frequently. And we do. We love. <laughs> we love getting emails. your emails. We love them. So we Sunday even... Showcase Pod. Yes, at Gmail. <laughs> don't there's know our email be, but love our email <laughs> love our email there's gonna there's gonna be a link to it in the bio or the yes. um it's kind of long but sunday showcase pod and you know what everything comes with a link these days so just click it you don't even have to type it Jeez, louise stop being so lazy i don't think email us but you can copy paste it at least yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay all right <laughs> Elfine. Bye. Bye bye. Yay!